0: All right, what is up, podcast world? Welcome to the Abstract Audio Podcast. I'm your host, Derek. Uh, I hope you guys are having an amazing week. Uh, the holidays are getting closer and closer. I'm just excited for the food, um, whether it be the tamales or tamales, uh, the pasoli, uh, and red chili. I mean, goddamn. That shit's the best, man. That shit, it really is. As you get older, I feel like the food becomes better. Um, Mainly because I don't even know what I would ask, like, for for Christmas. Like, AirPods. AirPods would be dope. But um, I plan to get those myself once they restock or become available anywhere. Um, Maybe, like, a micro drone. Like, those tiny-ass ones. Uh, I had one. I broke it. They're just fun as fuck to to fuck around with, and I'm still a kid at heart, so fuck it. Um, I don't know, man. There's nothing really. Of course, there's a lot of designer shit. Like, I mean, I would like to try on the the Balenciaga triple S, um, and just see it in hand, the details on it, um, any colorway really, but. That shit's so astronomically priced. Like, any of the any of the designer shit, that shit would be, like... I've always felt like that would be, like, insulting to ask my family for. You know? And so unrealistic. Like, plus, if I can afford it, I'll. I would rather buy it for myself. I know that's not very in the Christmas spirit, but... I don't know, man. Um... But, hopefully, you guys have gotten your shopping done. Um... We got a pretty fun podcast today, some interesting stories. Uh but I'm gonna start off with a brief uh review, I guess, of Revival, Eminem's latest album. Um, if you guys have checked it out, you let me know what you think. Um obviously I'm gonna I wanted to initially just give you guys thoughts. On it and just kind of if there are standout tracks I'll comment on those I was gonna do a track by track review um, but I don't know I don't really like that format it's uh I would rather just it's too formulaic I guess I would just rather anything that actually like naturally jumps out to me I'll comment on and um, otherwise if it's not mentioned there's likely a reason it's you know it's likely run of the mill or mundane. Uh, there's a lot of underwhelming shit on this album, but I'm gonna try and stay positive. Uh, so <clears throat> the album opens up with "Walk on Water," um, and I don't know. It's dope hearing M. Uh, Again, just so introspective And so honest And this ends up being One of the best tracks on the album Um, Phenomenal performance by both artists uh, Both M and Beyonce Uh, I think this track is pretty underrated It's kind of unfortunate that. Well, it makes sense that it was a single I mean, having Beyonce on it But uh, just now in retrospect It's kind of unfortunate that it's the opening track because it's one of the best tracks and maybe that's what you would want to start your album with I don't know I just feel like obviously we've heard it and uh I can tell you it's it's one of the only takeaways you're gonna get with this album more than likely um there's okay so I, I mentioned that if it's not spoken about it's likely just that forgettable or just that run-of-the-mill, like just uh status quo for an Eminem album, right? We haven't been expecting much, um, but it gets pretty fucking bad. Um, I mean, on, what song is it? Untouchable? I think it's like the third track in... Um Or no, Untouchable is M's take on white privilege, which I wanted to mention that it's dope to hear him talk about. Well, it's kind of his, his commentary on uh, white privilege, but also just a commentary in general about the uh, injustice and, and blatant murder that's going on in America right now with minorities, African-Americans in specific. Um... I feel like it's very necessary that Eminem comments on it and gives his thoughts. And uh, I mean, although I didn't care for it because the track has a a weird like Beastie Boys influence. Um, and I looked at the credits and it's produced by Rick Rubin. And I think there are some other shitty tracks on here, at least production wise. Um, And those are also produced by Rick Rubin. So I don't know if he just has this sound and vision for M. Like he wants him to be a beastie boy or call back, you know, hark back to that sound. Um but it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. Uh M's M's the way he goes about the story or or you know talking about the narrative, it um it's not terrible, but when it's been when this topic, in specific, has been done so well, I mean, just recently by Joyner Lucas, with his "I'm not a, or I'm not racist" track, I always want to call it "I'm not a racist," "I'm not racist" track, fucking phenomenal. I mean, if you guys haven't, I, I might talk about it later in the week, um, in in specific, but if you guys haven't listened to the song, I mean, hopefully you guys have heard the song by now, um. But check out the video The video is extremely powerful as well um, So with songs like that Being popular right now or, or not even just being popular But being made right now That caliber of art being made And then you figure Kendrick's Black or the Berry Somewhat along the, the same lines uh, Commentary wise um, And even Macklemore's What is it? White, White Privilege series I think he had like two, he's had two of them so far. Um, even the way that he speaks about it, he just dissects it more than, than this Eminem track does. So, because, you know, this topic is being obviously discussed and talked about much, much, uh, not even much better, but it's just being so well executed by these new high caliber artists, um... It makes this track you know blatantly i mean pretty pretty average i'll say that um but again i think it's necessary uh next is the the next track that stood out to me is the next track which is river uh featuring ed sheeran i uh i think ed sheeran's performance on this thing was fucking phenomenal i uh i'm a big fan of like just he's, he's extremely talented you know, I I don't follow Ed Sheeran, but um, he's insanely talented, and uh, he has an insane performance on this song. Well, not insane, but it's it's good, and uh, and I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I mean, M telling a, a story about um, about you know like cheating on his girl, and then getting his side chick pregnant and then making the decision to abort the child kind of pertinent i guess of the moment um and for it to be told on a radio single i'm i don't mind it i think it's dope so this song was actually pretty dope i know it'll probably get you know a lot of unnecessary hate just because it's a single just because it has Ed Sheeran but again i think high caliber artists even though it's obvious like i don't know the, the collaborations are very expected as I mentioned before, um, they can be executed well. And this is one of those, in my opinion. Um, next, let's see what else What else stood out. Oh, the, the next track following River is called Remind Me. And that is kind of the benchmark for where the what the fuck starts. Um, I don't know who songs like that are for. Um, I believe this was actually the Rick Rubin produced, or I think this was along with the group of songs that was produced by Rick Rubin. Um, the shit is fucking terrible. And, and for it to go from river into remind me, I mean, there are plenty of questionable sequencing spots on this album. That's the first. And just as far as the quality of that song, uh, that's where the what the fuck starts um i mean f- fucking awful man uh the re- the revival interlude has a a dope performance from alice in the glass alice in the glass lake i believe i at first i thought it was skylar but um then i ended up looking it up it's actually alice in the glass lake Uh, but yeah, a beautiful performance on, but only on the interlude. It's like a a fucking minute, if that. And then, um, let's see. Like Home is this, uh, is the song, it features Alicia Keys. It's essentially this forced ass sounding, you know, patriotist, like, uniting song, uniting anthem. Um, and it, yeah, it just feels fucking forced, and uh Alicia's performance is almost she's, she's almost unrecognizable. I had to look at you know, look at at the fucking check my phone as it was playing. I didn't know who that was um, and and Alicia's fucking talented man, so that's what was really weird. Um, but yeah, just came across feeling very forced um bad husband is somewhat dope i mean it's it's m looking back on his relationship with kim um it's pretty heartfelt I'll, I'll give it that um one of very few heartfelt tracks on this a lot of tracks are they're they're attempted like a lot of the the topics A lot like, um, Like Home. They're attempted, but they kind of just fall flat on their face. They, well, not even fall flat on their face, but they feel so forced. Um, Bad Husband stands out amongst, you know, mediocre songs. So, for whatever that says. Um, let's see. Um, Tragic Endings is a, uh. A somewhat dope track. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, it features M describing this like mutually destructive relationship. And it's, it's fitting that it follows, um, Bad Husband, where he's talking about, you know, his relationship with Kim. Uh, but Bad Husband just feels like, well, actually, this song, Tragic Endings, feels like Bad Husband just done in, a generic way. Bad husband felt more personal, I guess. And for that reason, you know, the the lyrics came across stronger and the whole performance. Um but yeah, tragic engine tragic endings was just like a generic version of Bad Husband to me. Um he I mean M tells a story on it. It's it's pretty run of the mill. I mean pretty pretty boring. Like M M's can do much more than that. Um, and then Framed follows this song. Another, again, like, what the fuck? This questionable-ass sequencing. Um, Framed is like M going back to a relapse sound. Um, it, it reminds me of 3AM, which is one of the more tolerable, you know, like, zany off-the-wall murderous tracks that m was doing around that time but for it to be after tragic endings it's like i don't know i i fucking i wonder man um it's not good framed isn't good it the the hook is pretty terrible one of m's worst i would say um and then nowhere fast follows that and it's meant to be like a youthful track i mean the lyrics allude to you know all of the tragedy in the world that's going on whether it be terror attacks or or just shooters you know random shooters in general um but coming across with the message that you still need to live your life to the fullest and you know fuck it just enjoy the life that you have um and that features kehlani on it which her performance isn't terrible it's just uh I don't know, her, her performance actually grew on me You know, I, I listened to the album Um Earlier in the week And I didn't care for this track at all Now listening to it, you know, again It's it's not terrible But uh, It just feels like a very generic Like just live your life To the fullest type of message or, or, you know, live your life Like tomorrow isn't promised That type of shit Um, but I don't know, I mean, if you're, I'm trying to look for positives here, Kaylani's performance wasn't, wasn't terrible, I actually think it was a different performance for her, vocally, than we're used to hearing her, or, or just a different type of performance, yeah, than the way that we're used to hearing her, um, now, uh, let's see, what else, um, he follows, this nowhere fast song featuring Kehlani. Um he is one of the shittiest songs I think M's ever come out with. Um, fucking awful. I mean it's. I don't know, man. It M has cringy bars all over, all over this fucking track. Well, all over it's spotty on the album. You're gonna get cringy M bars. Uh, unfortunately I feel like that's just what we've come to expect or personally that's what I've come to expect so it's not terrible but there are it's tolerable I guess but only because I allow it to be if you said that you couldn't even listen to the album because of N- M's cringy bars like I would completely understand it um, but it gets blatantly bad on on this track Heat Um, I mean fuck man Awful, awful bars on here. Um, and again, he mentions Rick Rubin, or he, you know, he mentions Rick on it, which I'm assuming is Rick Rubin. I looked it up, it's produced by him. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that Rick Rubin produced all these shitty tracks, and not even to say that Rick Rubin's a bad producer, it's just to say that his vision of M is. It doesn't come across. I mean, the, it's, it's some of, repeatedly, some of M's worst fucking tracks. Um, this is one to avoid. I mean, if you're going to listen to the album, you're going to do yourself a favor by avoiding Heat. Um, Offended is after Heat. And it's, it's zany, but it's like gloriously zany. I don't know, it's, um, I don't mind it, I. it's actually ended up being one of my favorite tracks on the album, and it is shocking because it is one of M's crazier tracks, like it doesn't really have a, a normal story, it, it again is like M in that 3am mode where he's talking about, um, you know, random shit, like, you know, being on a pill binge and fucking having uh, who did he say like Ivanka in the trunk or some shit and uh, I believe that was on this track and and then but I don't know with it being called offended and him talking about the subject matter that he talks about just like a lot of random shit um, name dropping Rachel Dolezal and shit like that it I could understand how people would feel like it's forced like look at me guys I'm still edgy and offended or edgy and offensive, you know, um, with a name like that, but I don't know, uh, song title aside, I guess, it's still a a pretty dope song for the album standards, um, for the album standards, though, not for M in general, let's be clear, uh, let's see, what else, um, Need Me featuring Pink, is boring, it feels like, uh, what the fuck was his Rihanna-featured song on his last album? Um, The Monsters, Under My Bed, shit. You know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, this feels like that, but you just put, you know, you had Pink on it, and had her do her thing, but it feels like the same, like, packaged, manufactured radio single. Um... I don't know man I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to stay positive It's difficult This album will test you This album will test you I'll promise you that If nothing else Um, But After The Pink feature Need Me track Then is uh, In Your Head Which has a Distinctively dark mood And I feel like it sets The stage For the next two tracks um so it the, these last three tracks to me feel like kind of like a bundle of tracks that um are sequenced well and I think this does again it sets the stage for the upcoming tracks it um it's it's brief I think it's like three minutes three minutes exa- exact um and it's essentially uh am apologizing to Haley. For speaking about their father-daughter relationship so much throughout his career. And um, it it acts mostly as an intro to the next track, which is Castle. Um, And it's, it's a song entirely dedicated to Haley in a very dope format. So the format is M writing to Haley, his daughter, in... In three, you know, three different sequences, I guess. You know, three different time periods. Um, well, not time. Yeah, I guess time periods. So the first verse is on December 1st, 1995. And he gives context, obviously, in each verse. And Haley is about to be born on this on this verse. And uh, he kind of just goes through his mentality at that time wondering and I believe you know he mentions in the track that his career hasn't taken off yet he's hoping that it'll work out he's hopeful um and he mentions that you know he's understandably uh worried and excited to bring a child into the world and and so on speaking in that context for 1995 then the next verse is December 1st 1996 um Haley's born uh, of course, has was grown older now, well, slightly older, um, and I believe M talks about the perspective of he's he's gaining fame. If I remember correctly, he's gaining fame in this verse, and he's just coming to grips with the superstardom, and uh, and just everything going on in that time. Insanely introspective and creatively written. I love the fucking format. It's M at his most creative, in a while. Not even on the, the album. This the these tracks, these last couple tracks, shine brighter than the whole album. And if you're an M fan, um, these are ones to take away. Like if you're only gonna go back to well, I guess an M fan will really listen to anything. But if you're gonna take away anything from these from this album, um, this is for sure one of the fucking tracks. So the third verse is written on December twenty fourth um christmas eve on 2007 and uh it's m talking to haley with with the time period context and uh i don't know he just discusses his worries and his current mindset and uh it's it's so heartfelt it's fucking beautiful um and and it's fitting the hook is it features the lyrics i built this castle Now we are trapped on the throne I'm sorry we're alone I wrote my chapter You'll turn the page when I'm gone I hope you'll sing along This is your song I just want you to know that I ain't scared Whatever it takes to raise you I'm prepared to do whatever To do whatever I mean It's fitting Like to build a castle And then you're trapped on the throne now Like essentially the downsides of Of all this fame and money Um Fucking amazing song Really one of the best uh constructed m songs that i've ever heard and in all honesty uh maybe it's just because it just came out but probably one of my favorites in his career so the song is fucking phenomenal and then it's followed up by a rose a, a rose a r o s e one word um it's beautiful it's uh, at the end of castle He's you know, in that third verse, hes he's pretty down and out, and he's talking to Haley. He mentions that, you know, if you read this, this isn't my this isn't meant to be my last letter to you or some shit like that. He's clearly in a fucked up headspace. And then, um, the end of the track features M uh opening a pill bottle and uh collapsing. And then so that sets the stage for a rose, which um, it's fucking beautiful. It's written from the perspective of M being uh, on the stretcher or in the hospital bed, you know, being operated on as he's overdosing um, or not. I don't know if it's operated on whatever, like being, you know, having his stats checked. He's he's close to death and uh, he's just coming to grips with essentially his goodbyes. And it's fucking, I mean, I'm getting chills talking about the shit, but you guys need to, need to check out these songs, at least these two, please, um, fucking phenomenal. And to be on the same album as some of this other shit is what fucks with me, you know, like, damn, man, um, clearly M is still capable of being a fucking high caliber artist, it's just rare, you know, um. So I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's just reflecting on his life, uh kind of going through the last things that he would say to everyone in his life. Uh fucking beautiful and uh and, and a perfect end to the story that, that has been told over these the last, you know, two songs. Well the last three songs technically. But um yeah. A Rose is fucking phenomenal. So if I had to pick tracks for you to go and listen to, I don't recommend the album. I don't recommend that you listen to the whole thing. I recommend, uh, you've likely heard Walk on Water. Um, If you're a fan of that radio sound, also listen to River featuring Ed Sheeran. Um, Then Offended is dope for what it is. You know, again, it's it's M going back to old form so if you don't like that zany off the wall m with with ridiculous bars and you know just talking about wild shit then uh i I would say skip that one but it ended up being one of my favorite on the album um and then in my head isn't necessary to go back to but it's not bad um certainly castle please go listen to castle castle and arose um i mean if you if you can take anything from this album those songs give me chills uh i'm not gonna give the album a rating you guys kind of derive your own rating from my thoughts on it basically the entire album i said i wouldn't go track by track i tried to write a note for each track and it was hard not to speak on it to you guys but i hate listening to music like that in general um, just kind of picking apart a song. I I always try and remain positive and just find the things that I like about a song or a project. So I never really look at music as this, you know, this objective that I've got to listen through. I look at it kind of like as inspiration. It's a hobby to me. And, uh, so I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to continue to do any type of run-through or album, you know, I guess review, if you will. Um, but if you guys like the album reviews, you know, let me know. Obviously, this being the first one. Um but yeah, I would recommend those those uh what, five songs. Um and I don't know, man. There's a lot of shit on the album though. A lot of shit, a lot of filler. So again, I wouldn't recommend going to, you know, going to listen to the album uh just those five songs. Um But yeah, with that said, we're going to get into the regular show, I guess the topic format. Um, So we're going to start with the shitty news and then get into uh, more uh, techie. What do we got? Some sneaker news. Um, And then followed by the end of the year. So, all right. Starting with shitty news. Um, TJ Miller is the recent, uh, the recent celebrity being accused of, um, sexual assault and, and actually physical assault in this case. So let me read this to you. It gets pretty graphic. Um, and I mean, obviously if these accusations are true, this guy is a pretty, pretty big piece of shit. Um, But okay, so former Silicon Valley and the Emoji movie star T.J. Miller has been accused of sexually assaulting and punching a woman while in college. He denies the accusations, but others who attend the college with him or who attended the college with him uh, have come forward to to corroborate the woman's story. While more women on social media have recounted their own abusive stories about him, Um, now I don't really want to. I'm I'm actually going to spare the details, mind you, it involves I mean if you guys want to look it up it's it's on pretty much every major news outlet I think. It was trending on Twitter this morning. Um it, he sexually assaulted this girl um you know uh doing things without her consent. Um it inv- involved a fucking beer bottle um sexually assaulting her with a a beer bottle. Um, and also rapidly shaking and punching one of his partners. And mind you, this is all sexually related. So this was during fucking during sex. And that's when most of these allegations were made. Now, um, I thought it was interesting. One of the girls. Uh, let me briefly read this paragraph to you because she pursued she pursued him with these claims in their uh university court and and it he he was expelled, but it was after he graduated. And how how the fuck does that happen? So okay, so uh the woman stopped seeing Miller afterwards and mind you there's a paragraph before describing the assault. Um but did talk to him once more, where he allegedly called the abuse, in quotes, a trust thing, and said he thought she had been into it. Nearly a year later, Sarah says she raised accusations about the incident to campus police, Through the uni- though the university declined to comment, citing federal privacy laws. Um, other knowledgeable sources told the Daily Beast that a student court expelled Miller because of it, Albeit after he graduated in 2003. Now, if that shit is true, look at, I'm gonna, I was fucking fascinated by this. Cause what the fuck does that even do? You know, being expelled after you graduated. Let's look up the, the definition of expelled. Cause I was fucking blown away. Okay. To expel is to deprive someone of membership. Uh, to, hold on. <laughs> uh to expel someone is to deprive someone of membership of or involvement in a school or other organization so do you want to explain to me how that shit happens after a motherfucker graduated um yeah so that happened that's that's i guess his punishment um which is fucking fascinating And uh, yeah, so it's fascinating to me because this made me think of and typically I want, you know, there's so many allegations. I I really try not to cover them just because I like this podcast to be, you know, a positive hour of your time or so, you know, an hour or so roughly. Um, But this brought up thoughts because on Joe Rogan's podcast recently, uh, the Duncan Trussell episode with who was it, Doctor Doctor Christopher Ryan. Um, again, check out this podcast. I'm only halfway through it, mind you. It's a long ass fucking podcast. I think like three three plus hours. Um, but fascinating shit. Some of the best guests Rogan regularly has on. Um, but it, in the podcast they talk about the current allegations that, you know, the, the me too, um, wave that is happening right now, I guess the, the social cleansing is kind of how I look at it. And they mentioned how, you know, what in the, like, I don't know when they were talking about it, they were, they were discussing the subject and, um, they mentioned how just what, 20, 50 years ago, it was the norm. Uh, well, I guess 20 years ago. Um, but it was fascinating to me because I was just thinking this is like the next evolution in our society and the way we operate and conduct ourselves within within our work life, right? Or just within the, uh, in corporate America. Because... Now mind you I know there's there's a lot of the shit still going on um but with this transparency that social media provides it's only going to continue to cleanse itself is kind of how I view it and uh it was just fascinating to think this is just another step in our evolution as as a as a human race and, and the way we conduct ourselves more specifically obviously the corporate America because when you think what in the 50s or so like shit was it, it was widely like i don't forget what podcast i was recently listening to but they pulled up an old song from the 50s maybe it even was the duncan trussell podcast um with rogan but they pulled up an old song and i forget who it was it was a well-known uh i believe he's like a country singer or some shit And mind you, this was in like the 50-ish era, I'm pretty sure. And the guy in it it's like an upbeat song. And he's singing about how he'll never let a woman do his job. And uh, he would never let a woman make him look bad or some shit like that. And uh, although his wife cleans the dishes, he could do it better than her. Or some wild shit. And I think they brought it up uh, in the conversation to talk about how 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 ridiculous that is in current times right um just for art like that to be created or to for anyone to have that perspective um but then it got me to thinking you know that was like the standard of how everyone conducted themselves and that was back mind you i'm talking about the era like in film even it it was it was throughout the culture right that women were seen as lesser than and that they could could not do what men can and, um, and the abuse shit was just, it was, like, tolerated, like, the, the thought of of hitting your wife or slapping your wife, like, in the old movies, like, I don't know a specific reference, I had, I'm not familiar, but I know that I've seen clips of old-ass movies, black and white shit, where the dude slaps the, the girl, and she's just, like, fucking, you know, like, kiss me, you buffoon, like, what the fuck is that shit? You know that's like porno level fucking storytelling like what the fuck are you even i don't know fucking bizarre but just 50 years ago or, or a little more than that but um so i'm talking about around around the 50s and then it kind of grew you know corporate america grew and i think the average male's perspective kind of turned into no like a woman, a woman can do as much as I can, yeah, I support women, you know, um, but there still is this male hierarchy behind the scenes, where power is abused, and it's just the norm, that's how you interact in the corporate space, or just in any huge corporation, right, um, and then now it's fascinating because we're we're just evolving past that i have faith that with social media that shit will no longer go on because everything's so transparent and um so it's going to be fascinating to see how this affects our cult, uh, like us culturally and just the workplace and uh and so on and so forth I mean, it's it's a disgusting thing to see all of these allegations coming out and just realizing how many fucking how many disgusting people took up, you know, were were in the space. But it also tells a story of it's fucking damn near everyone like that. That tells me, you know, just the, the sheer numbers alone tells me that this is the norm in that in that structure or it was the norm, you know, um, but it's fascinating, man, Uh, we're just evolving, and I have faith, yes, that everyone will start conducting themselves differently, um, mind you, that may be a bit optimistic, um, there still are going to be disgusting people, that'll never change, um, but I would like to try and remain positive, and, you know, um, fucking insane man uh tj miller uh disgusting allegations man uh just a disgusting person and uh and exposed by social media so although there are a lot of articles written on social media how it's you know you know destroying our social skills and uh destroying our lives our attention spans whatever what have you um this is some of the positive is kinda how I view it. It's kinda how I view it. Some of the positive regarding obviously the net outcome of social media. Um, giving people the confidence and to, to voice this abuse and um and just really expose the fuckery that's going on in these industries. Um, so I don't know. More so just food for thought, but um Interesting times, fucking fascinating times. Alright, next. This is a fucking fascinating story that I first heard about on Reddit. Now, mind you, uh, there's some fascinating shit on Reddit that you don't see anywhere else, or at least in my case, like, I don't see anywhere else. Um, And mind you, it was on, like, the r slash conspiracy thread. So, I mean, there's questionable shit posted on there. Uh quite often, and I saw, I came across this, you know, that Terry Crews was, believes he was being spied on, in light of, you know, post allegations, and, uh, or post, you know, publicizing the, the, uh, allegations towards, um, who the fuck was it, Adam Venet, um, and, and it's a, a story I covered earlier in, uh, a couple episodes back in the podcast, um, but it was fascinating, because with it being on r slash conspiracy, I was wondering if there was any truth to it, because I hadn't heard anything about it anywhere else, and, uh, I fucking go to his Twitter, because there were screen caps of Terry Cruz's Twitter, and sure enough, the shit is real, this story is real and it hasn't been covered fucking anywhere that I've seen. At least by any legitimate, like, big corporations. Um, mind you, I searched the story and I found it on Vulture. What is it? Vulture. Yeah, Vulture.com. I don't know. I've never heard of the site before. Um. But... So... uh the headline reads: "Terry Crews says WME is spying on his family amid sexual assault case." So, uh, the article reads, or the paragraph reads: As Terry Crews sues WME agent Adam Vennett for sexual assault, the actor says his family is being tracked and possibly bugged by the agency. In a series of tweets, Crews alleges that the company asked Russell Simmons, also facing a string of sexual of sexual assault allegations. Um, to push Cruz to drop his allegations against Bennett, whom he says groped him at an industry party last year. Uh, Cruz also alleges that someone hacked into a family computer and that it was related to his sexual assault case. In quotes, LAPD task force detectives let me know these people don't play fair. There are a lot of secrets to protect and they will do anything to keep them. Um, Cruz tweeted. And I'll go through the actual string of tweets in a second. Um, The town is compromised, but me and my team are not. Cruz also alleges TMZ is in cahoots with the studio and agencies like WME, but that the site cut out his criticism of its work in a recent interview. Um, Vennett, formerly the head of WME's motion picture group, took a brief leave of absence after Cruz's allegations and returned to work in late November. Cruz has fired WME um so fucking fascinating I mean have you guys heard of this this shit blew my mind so I'm gonna run through the series of tweets I believe it's like what six tweets or so um all right you can currently go to Terry Cruz's Twitter uh just at Terry Cruz T-E-R-R-Y-C-R-E-W-S um and read these for yourself the shit is real. Um, the first tweet reads, My assailant, Adam Vennett is the founding partner at WME, a corporation worth over $8 billion. Uh, I believe my family is being tracked and possibly bugged. I also believe Uncle Rush, um, which is Russell Simmons' handle, was asked to pressure me into dropping my case by WME execs. Somehow they thought he was The king of black people. Um, Someone hacked into the computer my son and I built together. I have to shut it down and replace the hard drive. LAPD task force detectives let me know these people don't play fair. There are a lot of secrets to protect and they will do anything to keep them. Uh, The town is compromised but me and my team are not. If I were to have a timely accident you know where to look. That's fucking scary, man. Uh it go he goes on. A uh WME general counsel, Seth Krause. Sur Surpet Petitly? I don't even fucking know that word, bro. Sir Sir Surreptitiously sur- brought up my wife's name to a former attorney, R. E. My case. Um TMZ met me and my wife at the, as we left the airport, then mysteriously edited out my comments about how they collude with the studios and agencies. Retaliation in some form is expected. I would be naive to think otherwise, but vulnerability and openness is actually my best protection. I'm ready. Fucking Crazy. Um, this is one story I'm more than happy to cover and hopefully, you know, covering it, even I'll be on a, you know, a small, tiny format like this, it will spread awareness to you guys. And at least now you guys know that this shit is going on. I thought this shit was fascinating that it was just being legitimately seemingly covered up. Um, I don't know, guys, fucking crazy shit crazy shit going on uh so that is what it is i guess we'll hear any developments to come i uh i wish the best for terry obviously i fucking applaud him for his bravery yet again not only in the allegations but now in this in in coming up on social media and you know, just voicing the shit that he thinks is going on. I, I know a lot of people look at him and think he's crazy. Um but fucking fascinating man. Uh I, I fully believe the allegations. I you hear stories about this shit going on. And uh it's it's gonna be fascinating to see how it how it turns out. I feel like Terry Cruz is too big of a figure, uh at least you know, in popular culture to do anything to. So I'm not necessarily worried for his life. Um but I'm going to keep a close eye on this shit and uh and report anything, any stories as they surface. Um but yeah, fucking crazy, right? Uh alright, and I guess less serious news. Um The Virgin Hyperloop one sets a new land speed record. Uh so okay the Virgin Hyperloop 1 has shattered its original passenger pod speed of 192 miles per hour to a record 240 miles per hour at its dev loop track in Nevada Las Vegas the 28 foot long pod was loaded into a 1600 foot long concrete test tube and hovered above the test track bypassing friction to hit a record speed 20 miles per hour faster than than what Elon Musk said this summer. The recently manufactured airlock system managed the airless environment, which had an approximated air pressure comparable to 200,000 feet above sea level. Uh, to cap off the good news, the company also announced that Richard Branson is coming aboard as chairman and that it just raised $50 million, uh, replacing Sher- Shervin. Pish Peshevar who left temporarily amidst sexual uh amid sexual misconduct allegations. It appears our future of tube travel is closer and closer to coming to reality. Are you looking forward to it? Fucking crazy. Um this hyperloop shit is fascinating to me and from my understanding with uh Richard Branson getting involved and and the previous story in the last podcast of um, fucking, what was it, Blue Origin, the project that uh, Jeff Bezos is is in control over, or he's the founder of it, uh, that being, of course, the Amazon billionaire, um, well, most well-known for his, his Amazon company. Um, it's clear that this, you know, Elon kind of brought this shit to the billionaires and it's becoming like a race uh, a tech race with people who have money which i think is fascinating because it's only going to increase the speed of development um i mean obviously now with richard branson getting involved and he who is the virgin millionaire if you're unaware virgin mobile uh virgin airlines all of that shit uh with, with a plethora of other accolades i'm sure. Um, But those are his most notable ones, ones that I'm aware of. Uh, So fucking fascinating, man. I mean, over 200 fucking miles per hour. That's crazy. Um, All right. So Facebook recently rolled out facial recognition. Um, So Facebook announced in a blog post that it will be rolling out numerous facial recognition features for the platform in an attempt to protect users from privacy attacks. With your permission, Facebook takes face data from you and allows access to new tools, including alerts if photos of you are uploaded, even if you're not tagged. Kind of creepy, but kind of useful, I guess. And again, I think uh, fucking usefulness will take precedence over security and creepy factor. Um, The company has described the feature as being comparable to uh, a quote, a simple on off switch. Uh, that sounds way too simple. Way too fucking simple. I I doubt that shit. Um, this update is predominantly aimed at preventing catfish, fake profiles, and revenge porn attacks. As part of this announcement, Facebook published a blog post titled, Hard Questions, Should I Be Afraid of Facial Recognition Technology? Ah, I have a lot of faith reading, um, reading Facebook's posted, uh... Thoughts on if I should be afraid of facial recognition technology. Like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, so there's a video recapping the feature, I guess. Um, I don't know, man. I guess if you're someone who people constantly make fake accounts of and the whole revenge revenge porn shit that's like a, an epidemic, um, i don't know some creepy shit facebook some creepy shit but uh again i think it will only be a matter of time before that shit is accepted because it's usefulness and and just i don't know i feel like right now it's sketchy as shit um but in a year we'll be like yeah i have that shit on i mean what are they gonna do you know i don't know shit is shit is weird But it could be useful. All right. Now, next, uh, Apple reportedly sells a million iPhones daily, so Apple pushes strongly into the new year with daily iPhone 8 and 10 sales, totaling over one million units per day. Uh, 2016 was an underwhelming year for Apple as stocks closed out the year at 103 U.S. dollars per share. Um, brought on in part due to poor iPhone 7 sales and what many analysts have proposed as a lack of product ingenuity. Not to mention last year uh, was the first time since 2002 that sales had dipped from year to year. Uh, 2017 has been the turnaround year that Apple needed as shares have reportedly risen to an all-time high of over 170 US dollars per share and iPhone sales making the bulk of the company's revenue have remained strong. Even as as the cellular market has seen declining sales, the company's newest smartphones have enthralled consumers with the 8 Plus outselling the regular model and the iPhone X finally outpacing sales over the 8s even after a late release. So a fucking million iPhones daily. That shit is crazy, man. This shit runs our life. A million Bro, a million? Who the fuck is buying all this shit, bro? Who? Think of that shit. Think of that figure. A million daily. What the fuck, man? To build a company to that level and for us to be alive to just to see that fucking company. What product could you have thought of that you would think would sell a million a day? Bro, like, what the fuck? I don't know, man. Okay. So, uh, getting into clothing, sneaker news, um, as expected, the, uh, Lonzo Ball Nas inspired hoodie is now being sold on a big baller brand site. It makes sense. It's priced at $85. Uh, there are t-shirts with the shit on it for $55. um. It's just, it's expected, man. It's, uh, again, it's clearly a strategic financial move. Um, although it is the lowest common denominator, the way they are going about it, it's just, uh, well, it's the cheapest attention, right? Just to bash someone for the fucking sake of bashing someone. Like, what the fuck did Nas do to you, bro? The guy just creates legendary music. Like, let him chill. Like, yeah, like, fuck off. I don't know. It's it's annoying, but uh clearly this kind of proves that it's a, a strategic move. Um, is it smart on them? I don't know what, what determines that. Sales. If if money rules all, then sure, it's probably smart. Um, but again, it's 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 cheap recognition. I bet a very Nas move is for Nas to come out and be like, nah man, I support that shit. That kid's doing his hustle, he's doing his thing. I bet you, <laughs> I bet you that's Nas is a humble ass opinion. You watch, maybe he's spoken out on it, but I don't know if he's spoken out on the hoodie. Um. But yeah, so the shit's for sale. If that's your thing, I hope it's not. Uh, but it's out there. All right now. Uh, Kendrick. Kendrick Lamar offers a first look, at the Nike Cortez Kenny. Um, so after receiving a sneak peek at Kendrick Lamar and Nike's damn Cortez, uh, which I don't even remember the colorway on that shit. I just remember I wasn't fucking with it. I don't really care too much for Cortez's. I don't like the rounded, the rounded shape of the toe. It's never really fucking sat well with me. Even in high school, I would see kids wear it and it just, the rounded toe fucked me up. I don't know what it was about it. Um, but uh, we recently received a first look at the next collaborative shoe from the artist and sneaker giant uh, playing with the silhouette of Nike's retro Cortez runner. Once again, the upcoming Kung Fu Kenny inspired colorway features a contrasting red and white upper accent- accented by a large swoosh on the sides of the shoe and a classic Cortez sole unit um, while Chinese script on the toe area. Which it doesn't say what the fuck that what the Chinese script means um but and a don't trip, maybe it says be humble in Chinese, Yo, that shit would be dope uh but no uh, it who knows what it fucking says? No in Kendrick it's like strength strength and prosper or some fucking you know some shit, some monk shit, right um but while Chinese script on the toe area and a don't trip lace holder finish the design of the shoe so literally this thing has a a strap up the tongue that reads don't trip which i think yeah okay you know it's kind of dope i guess um the red and white colorway doesn't sit well with me the the photo that i have here has black laces and the uh the tongue pull that they've added that reads don't trip is in black I actually think the shoe would look best with white laces. So maybe with white laces and then that, you know, just making that black don't strip or don't strip don't trip strap um, stand out even more. I like that the strap extends all the way up to the tongue, even over the Nike tongue tag. I think that's kind of a dope, you know, a dope touch. Um, But I don't know, guys, like even though here's how i feel i feel like you know and i wonder if you guys feel the same way even though it's kendrick and i want to support kendrick i just wouldn't wear a shoe that's that's just uh white and red would you guys like say for example say kendrick releases a sneaker that is fucking um purple velvet and uh and gold or no that's kind of dope um fuck Uh, Some colors that you don't fuck with, typically. Like, say you don't fuck with red and white. Let's use this example exactly. Um, Say you don't typically fuck with red and white. You don't even wear it much. Just to support an artist, um, would you buy a sneaker that typically isn't something you would buy? Or have you done that in the past? I'm curious. Um, Because I like the tongue strap, but that's about it. Don't trip. Kind of uh, dope. Um, but I don't know. So, yeah, clearly more is in the pipeline for the Kendrick Nike collab. If they know what they're doing, they're going to push that shit out um, in high numbers, hopefully. Uh, so everyone can get one if they like them. But also in sneaker news, um, Adidas Yeezy Desert Rat 500 is releasing in March. Mind you, this is just a Yeezy Desert Rat not the specific moon colorway that we saw in the package. Um, So let me read this paragraph to you. After releasing exclusively through the brand-exclusive online retail chain known as Yeezy Supply, the Adidas Yeezy Desert Rat 500 will release globally this coming March 2018, priced at $220. The newest chunky and chiseled running shoe from Kanye West Adidas subdivision known as Yeezy does not feature any boost cushioning whatsoever but rather the Audi pre-cushioning that debuted in the 1990s. Um, which makes me kind of wonder why it's still 220. I mean, never mind, I answered. You know I, I know the answer to that. It's, it's Kanye West, it's a Yeezy. Um, but yeah, kind of fucked up. It doesn't even have boost in it. Um, Alright, so sources close to the brand confirm that the Desert Yeezy Rat won't drop as a bundle either saving you hundreds of dollars that were tacked on to the $760 three-piece set. It's not clear which colorways are coming, but expect the Yeezy Desert Rat in just a few months. Um, So yeah, and again, I hope that the, uh, the, what is it, the Supermoon colorway, that like faded yellow colorway, I hope that doesn't release to the public, although I do think it will. I'm hoping it won't because, you know, for everyone that did cop it, uh, I-, I want that shit to stay exclusive to them. You know, if you had the money to put up front or you're that big of a fan and you could afford it, you put that money up front. I think you should rightfully get something. And mind you, I forgot to talk about it. But um, if you bought that bundle, you also got a email I believe it was everyone who bought the bundle. You got an email that allowed you, uh, exclusive access to the blue tint Yeezys, the blue tint. Um, what are they? 300s. Yeezy boost 300s. No, not fucking 300. Is it? I always get this, this shit fucked up. 350. Yeah. 350. Right. Um, but yeah, you got exclusive. So you were guaranteed the shoe, uh, if you wanted to purchase it, like you were guaranteed the chance to purchase the blue tint Yeezy. That's what the fuck I mean. Um, so you got an exclusive email link and, uh, which is pretty dope, but I mean, so wait, you mean to tell me that I, not only did I spend 800 to get your shoe, but now I can spend 220 more to get another shoe. You mean it? Yay. Like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of fucked up. Um, it's a, I wonder what the, like, the buy rate on that is. I bet you everyone who got that email bought the fucking blue tints. Um, so I don't know. Does that make it worth it? Do you guys think that makes the bundle worth it? Fuck this, you know, upcoming desert rat. I'm more interested in that. Does that, so say you get this hoodie, these shorts that you likely don't want. Maybe you do. We'll leave that up for debate. Um, but you get the hoodie, the shorts, and the colorway that may be exclusive. It may not. For eight hundred dollars, I think it was like seven sixty. What it is specified, seven sixty in the article. Um, I figured damn near eight hundred after tax. Uh, so that was seven sixty. Now, once you add on the opportunity to get the blue tint Yeezy, does that make it worth it? If you guys previously thought it wasn't worth it, I'm interested to know. Um does it make it worth it to me? Still no? But that's dope, I guess, for what it's worth. I mean, you're telling me I get the chance to buy another one of your products, and I mean it's Kanye, so most people don't view it in that context. But uh yeah, it's basically like, "Here, you you paid me a lot of money. Um you're going to get the exclusive chance to uh to uh give me some more." So <laughs> You know, fucking, I don't know. I mean, People seem to be into it. Um, I'm interested what you guys think. So with that said, um, we now get into the end of the year segment. So this episode's end of the year is, you know, end of the year topic, uh, end of the year category, whatever you call it, um, is albums I'm looking forward to in 2018. Um, the first one being, these are rumored albums. Most of them, I don't think, have a date. Um, a lot of them turned out to just be like, oh, well, this artist's next product, uh, or their next project, rather. Um, so the first one is King Push by Pusha T, which I'm confident we're going to get in 2018. Um, fucking so excited. Pusha T is a next-level caliber artist. Um, next is a rumored project. Uh, I believe it's a collaborative project with Big Crit, and I believe it was with TI. It might have been Crit and someone else featuring TI, or like produced, or like, uh, yeah, executive produced by TI. I don't don't fully remember. Um, I just know it was a Crit collaborative project, and anything with more Crit, and I was excited about it. It was a collaborator that fit. Um... So this was a dual album that I was actually excited for. I remember that. And that's that's something worth remembering, um, especially with so much shit being put out. Um, so there's that, a Crit collaborative project, somewhat, uh, somehow TI is involved. I don't remember exactly how. Um, but I think he mentioned it on Sway's interview. So if you go and watch Sway's interview, oh, and definitely go and watch Sway's interview or at least watch. Uh, Crit's freestyle, on Sway in the Morning, fucking phenomenal. I watched that shit multiple times, man. Crit is so slept on. God damn. I mean, that's an overused term, but god damn, man. I don't know how else to describe it. Um. All right, and then of course Ye's next project. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. Uh, rumors of it being Yeezus too. Um, possibly being the Turbo Graphics project. Uh, whatever it is. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Ye has going on sonically in his mind cuz that's kind of what Ye's albums are uh to me at least. Um and then Cardi B's first project. I'm excited for slightly different reasons. Like I'm not I mean Cardi raps her ass off. She she's definitely dope. Um and and her fucking little accent. I I swear that has a lot to do with how much people fuck with her rapping. Uh it's definitely part of what I fuck with. I don't know why, but just that infliction, her her voice on a track. Um that little lisp or whatever she has. Uh but I'm extremely excited to well I'm just not even excited. I would say just more so anticipating uh to see how Cardi handles her first project. Um I think this is the true test and I think Cardi's got it. But I'm still fascinated to see features on it. Um, any interesting collaborations. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. I mean, Cardi blew the fuck up. And so I want to see, you know, if she parlays that into a, in a into a dope ass album. Um, next is just whatever the weekend has coming. Um, I mean, huge, huge weekend fan. Uh so, yeah, that kind of just goes. I mean, he's teased shit like you know like cryptic shit, like the weekend typically posts if you're a fan of his, he always posts this cryptic shit like oh uh, you know uh entering phase three years or, or some shit like that. I don't know uh, cryptic shit though that's all you need to know um and i'm and I'm fucking here for it man i'm I'm extremely excited for whatever the weekend has coming next um next is Cy High's next project now I know sci- High again, but he just recently in an interview, uh, some radio interview, he had spoke about how he has another album ready for the beginning half of next year, Is you know, that's kind of the, the area in which he's looking at, to the timeline, if you will, that he's looking at to drop it, and uh, I mean, if you guys know how much I fuck with Sci High, it's kind of a no-brainer. I'm extremely excited, again, so slept on, um, fuck, man, I don't know, um, and then the, uh, I mentioned it before, but Plaza's album, so Plaza recently featured on the playlist, um, an OVO signee, I believe the most recent signee, I mentioned him, uh, on last episode's podcast, um, so... I I don't know, I'm, I'm excited, I fuck with the sonics that he produces, or just that he, he, the sound that he puts out, um, so yeah, so Plaza's next album, I mean, mind you, we only had an EP that was like, what, five, six songs, if that, um, so that, and then lastly, fingers crossed, uh, TDE's Black Hippie Project, which if you're unaware, um, that is the rumored for years now. Uh, the rumored entire label project, I guess. So it was originally going to be um, Kendrick, Schoolboy Q, Absol, and uh, who else? Is it Isaiah Rashad? I guess Isaiah. I'm trying to think because I swear before even before Isaiah, this was rumored. And I don't know if it was just them three, but now I'm kind of viewing it as obviously the black hippie moniker. I think they put out a project earlier that was a mixtape, mind you. When I say earlier, I mean years ago. Um, and it was they weren't fully developed. You know, their styles weren't formed. They didn't have the lyrical skill and, and writing skill that they have now. Um, so I would love to see that, especially in the era of every artist. You know every label is putting out a, a project like collaborative projects. Give us that shit bro if if Black hippie comes together, TDE puts out that project, and we get a Kendrick and Cole project, bro, I can die happy like for real, bro. I don't know. so those are kind of the albums, I guess, the projects that I'm anticipating for 2018 um So, with that list being concluded, that also concludes the podcast. So, as always, just know that uh, I fucking love you guys. And you'll be hearing from me soon. Peace, guys.